You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad you could join us for this super fun episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. As you know, I'm Krista Hardin and I love working with couples. I've been working with couples for many a year and now it is time today for us to just have a fun time categorizing the Enneagram types by way of Jane Austen characters. Now, this is coming to no surprise to some of you who are just fellow lit lovers with me and have heard us talk all along about literature in the last few seasons of the podcast. But for some of you, you may be wondering, why are we stopping to do a classic literature Enneagram stint here? And I'm just going to say, hang with me. The literature authors of the past were the psychologists that we have today, basically Henry James, Austin Dickens, so many more, really did a beautiful job of bringing us these delicious character archetypes. And sometimes it was even Russian authors who were being paid by the page. And you can definitely learn more from my friend Ariel Curry and her awesome podcast if you ever just want to get deeper diving into literature. And her podcast is Hungry Authors and it's Ariel Curry and Liz Morrow, and I'm just grateful that others out there are taking other aspects that I wish I could do if I had every different life in my FOMO 7. But since I don't, here we are together, and we are going to deep dive Enneagram style into the nine types and describe different, beautifully laid out characters that Jane Austen has richly shown us in her works of Pride and Prejudice, Emma, Sense and Sensibility, and also my favorite, Persuasion. And the reason we're only discussing these four uh, out of her six main books is because the other two just, to me, don't hold a candle. And I feel like she wrote them in her younger years. And I even took a college class once, just audited one, that really reminded me that I might be right about that, that as she got older, she had a bit more of the richness of the fullness of these characters that we meet in these books. And I think they really have a lot to do with the Enneagram types. So let's hold on together for some beautiful Jane Austen style digging in on our Fast Wednesday episode. And there really aren't any announcements today, except if you really want more information about coaching, make sure you check out my page of Enneagram Marriage Certified Coaches. And if you still want to become a coach, make sure you join us at enneagramandmarriage.com because we have a group of people doing coaching. Again, I'm so excited. You guys are in training. I'm so thankful. And this is our 2023 course. So it is our only time for live teaching this year. Feel free to jump in anytime. And I'm leaving it open for that exact reason that we're not coming back to it until next year because we have such a big E&M calendar. But today, back to today, back to presence, 
we are diving in. So let's talk about our type one character first from Jane Austen novels. And it's coming from the novel Emma. And to some of you who aren't as familiar with Emma, I'll explain when I'm talking about the character a little bit about them so that you're not totally left in the dark and so that if you want to pick Emma up afterwards, you might be sufficiently intrigued. So the character I'm referencing is Emma's interest and his name is George Knightley. And George is definitely a type one. And so what you find with George, that is a lesson I think we can apply to our lives in just actual everyday romance and marriage is that George comes to the table with a quest for goodness, rightness, and just moral aptitude. And he tries to bring it wherever he goes. And his beautiful heart is seen in so many different instances in the book, Emma. And he does have a bit of the conceit and superiority, which might make some argue that he's a social five, but we're not going to get into nuances today because this is just for fun, even though I just brought that up. Okay, I'm a little bit contentious, but anyway, mostly a one here. And he's really, really gifted with showing Emma that sometimes this protagonist, even though we delight in her too, and I'll talk about that in a moment, uh, she has some missing pieces, just as we all do. However, she reminds him that he's missing a piece too, and that is a piece of fun and joy at just letting loose and playing. And so what we find through the story are just little bits of joy come into his life and the reminders that if you're an Enneagram buff, you might even know ones go to seven in health, that he can find that too. If he hangs on to Emma, who is sort of not a foil character, but definitely we're looking at a trope here of opposites attract and friends to lovers. So have fun with that and hopefully learn along with him because I think there's a lot of rich lessons in this book. Okay, now on to type two, we have another character from Emma, Emma herself, and Emma could be a three, but I'm gonna type her as a two, two wing three, and really just as I hinted at already, remind you that Emma's character is playful, joyful, positive outlook like most twos, but that because she's had a lot of pampering, she has come to life with a lot of expectation that everybody would be able to just dote on others and give out love to others like her. And she can't really see that there's sometimes not a place for her to give. She's like, oh, this is just, you know, I see life through these eyes of my heart and it's big and I can help matchmake people. And so she goes into this whole matchmaker scenario and it's not like the show Indian Matchmaker because actually Emma is not commissioned by anybody. She's just trying to make love matches and even taking credit sometimes for things that were just already people starting to look at each other and, and enjoy each other. So Emma has a bit of a big head in the story and often the type one in the story with her, as I mentioned, George Knightley, he's able to just really speak to that pride and say, you know, honestly, like you're hurting people when you assume that you know more about their life than they do, and when you're helping where the help isn't warranted. And so one of the big themes of the book, without spoiling it for you, and you can also do the movie version, is that Emma really has to come to terms with, okay, like my help, though I have a good heart here, is not always what is best for others because they can see that sometimes better than me. And sometimes she lets other aspects in, which is why I have the three wing for her because she lets just place and stance come in so much of 
you guys have to make sure you marry within the same rank and, you know, believing somebody to be better than somebody else who they really love because of rank. So we have to look at that too, but not too closely here. We're going to move right into three with a different character. Now that character is really a character that I think gets a lot of redemption and that's Frank Churchill, also in Emma. So Emma has this character named Frank who Emma sort of loves and he is really funny and witty and just charming. And yet he has a trouble with some deceit. And you just get the sense that it's also self-deceit. And you get the sense that he really wants to do the right thing and he's in love with actually somebody else. But because of his charm, he doesn't realize that to Emma, he seems like he's trying to be her beau. And he really is extremely fun with her. And so it's a really good reminder for those of us who have a high three to be watching for that space of flirtation and charm coming across as something you don't mean for it to, because it turns out he actually doesn't like Emma at all. Total spoiler, I know, but it's still a very interesting read. And I haven't even given you the richness of many of these characters. So trust me, there's a lot more fun to be had as you look at characters like Mrs. Bates, who I think is actually very redemptive character and maybe a six. Um, I think one of those characters people don't look at as much, but that she's actually really godly and really Emma's dad. And we'll talk about him in another minute, but we're going to skip him for a minute and head into a four. So for type four, I really wanted to discuss somebody that I don't get to talk about a lot, and that is Marianne from Sense and Sensibility. And I don't get to talk to her about about her a lot because I don't love this book as much as the others. I just find that Sometimes the main character, Eleanor and, and Edward, they have these this romance that I don't really like. I, it just feels a little bit toxic to me. But on the side here and very close to the center protagonist is Marianne, who is weepy and willowy and somebody who is absolutely devastated when she has fallen down and hurt herself and you just find this raw passion and emotion of a reactive type and yes could be four six or eight but we're gonna go with four here she's an artist she's playing brooding songs on the piano I have a type four artist in my home who does the same thing so I love looking at Marianne here through the four lens mostly and also at the fact that she almost misses her love Colonel Brandon And I think that's what fours could do if they're in their state of high ideals is really miss somebody amazing in front of them or their spouse by looking at that envy at what could be and at that charming person who really isn't healthy. So I just want to make that shout out to fours. If you're in that space or you're stuck, head back in or head in for the first time to Sense and Sensibility and really just read it for Marianne. It's a worthy read. Trust me. It's a fascinating book, even if you're not super in love with the main characters. Okay. Heading into type fives, there's a lot of fives in Jane Austen's novels because a lot of people think she was a five. And I'm not sure of that, but I really like looking at just her five characters in the story. One of them that's probably my favorite of all of her characters is Anne Elliot. And Anne is in the book Persuasion, which is my favorite of the books. And Persuasion is really good at helping us to see that sometimes an older heroine and in those days, older was 28. Um, She has a space too. And so this was probably a woman's lib book 
for the times. Uh, Jane Austen lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s. So we really want to look at how did Anne Elliot stand out and what can we learn from her? And something we can learn from her is that she was very calculated in terms of trying to take good advice from people. And I know a lot of you, if you really know her story, you might think she's a six and, and I'm willing to say six wing five, five wing six, but I'm sticking with five because most of her exact issues and dramas really stemmed from a five space. She's not very reactive externally, although she does have feelings to process internally later. So it's not that she's a verbal processor like sixes, but something she does some would say make a mistake with is that she does take advice from somebody who really didn't have the best advice for her because she made her miss out on somebody who she truly loved dearly. But even the five-ishness of Jane Austen and Anne Elliot help you by the end of the book to understand that the author herself and the character herself aren't even mad that the person missed out on love because they get to find love later. Spoiler, I won't say much more about it, but they're like, you know what? Like I stand by what I did and I was being logical and I was trying to honor the people that I trusted and my six wing here. And so maybe it wasn't the best idea for me to be with somebody in these early years. But most readers just for a pulled back view would say, oh my gosh, like why did you listen to the other person? You were in your six wing so strong and you shouldn't have because you missed your love or almost missed your love. And that's just the feeling the reader has. The reader has the feeling of, man, you've got to really own your own decisions and you only get one life to live. So make sure that you choose your partner well. And I think that's a great reminder for everybody here who's not yet married. And for those that are, remember these five practical women who are like, look, I stand by my decisions and don't second guess yourself. Just love what you've done and make the best of what you've done. And I think you'll go quite far in your marriages. And if you're having huge issues, of course, this is a fun episode, but I have to throw in, you can get coaching if it's just a super complex issue. We are here for you, girl or boy. Okay. Now we have our type six in these novels and there's definitely several, but the one I'm going to focus in on here that I think is a really funny character, that is two funny characters actually. And it's Emma's father in Emma and also the girl's mother in Pride and Prejudice, Mrs. Bennett. And she is iconic in our household because she is frenetic. She is definitely reactive type, as is he. And in both of these books, these parents are hovering and loving on their children so well. And of course, reading these as a young 20-something, I was like, absolutely not. These guys are just upsetting and like totally ridiculous, hilarious foil characters. But as I've come into aging, I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are just caring about their kids. And so I understand them better now. And I think that you will too, if you get a read of either or hopefully both Emma Pride and Prejudice and really enjoy and visit with these characters and just understand that aging is a part of life. And we don't always age perfectly, but hopefully we do age with grace and love. And of course, we would want to say to both of these sixes, take a deep breath, 
calm down a bit. And as my daughter Hannah would say, because she loves to use this term in our home when we're all in our six, calm yourself. And so we would just say, okay, calm yourself, Mrs. Bennett, and calm yourself, Mr. Woodhouse. But we love you and we see how much you want to protect your people, how loyal you are, and how you would go to bat for anyone who dares challenge your amazing family. Okay, love them. Type seven. There's several type sevens, and I am going to give you one that needs a little bit of a lesson in this book here. We're talking Pride and Prejudice again, and we're talking about Miss Lydia Bennett. Miss Lydia Bennett is a very youthful, fun, winsome seven who is just having a great life. It's a smashing time as far as she's concerned, and her father has a sense for not being able to control the fun. And quite honestly, that reminds me me a little bit of my dad with my sister and I in our three and our seven in our teen years. And Lydia just has an untimely adulthood because she runs into her coming out years and she runs into the first arms of the marriage proposal that she gets. And I won't spoil who it's with, but it's really hard to watch her just go down with the ship because you're like, oh, like I can see it coming. And there's even a moment when her father says, you know, she won't be really, I'm just going to paraphrase, but she's not going to be satisfied until she's taken herself down all the way. And so there's almost nothing he felt he could do. Uh, Of course, that wasn't true. And parents do have a lot more than they realize they do. So he later realizes he could have helped to develop her. So if you have a seven child growing up or three-ish child, make sure you do really, or eight, I'll say, because these are all the aggressive types, make sure that you really do take time to nurture them and to set boundaries with them so that they can fly. I know I would have loved more boundaries now, not then, but now. So I love that we can give that as an example. Now, another one of the sisters is going to be my type eight example, and that is Elizabeth Bennett. And I will tell you, there are a lot of people who would claim Elizabeth Bennett to be their type. So not offended at all if you don't type her as an eight, but I really love the eightness of Elizabeth Bennett in the sense that she really takes on the character of a woman who is okay if she doesn't marry because she has certain very high standards. And I know some 18s like that. You guys probably know I I really love my 18 friends of my daughters and they're my friends too. I like to mentor them. And so it's really great for me to see that that does exist in the world. Strong women who know what they want, even if they're that young. But I also just think that it's fun that she's able to say, okay, here's what I do also want to make sure of. And that is that my family is treated with love and respect. So she will call people out like Lydia and and say, stop in your wild seven behaviors. But she will also say to people, you know, make sure you hold yourself up high, like you're beautiful and it's not all about looks. And that was saying quite a bit in those days. She even challenges her best friend who is very practical and she really wants to just know the truth. Like, how can I make sure you're okay? And uh, her friend Charlotte does comfort her and we're going to talk about her in just a minute. But I really want you guys to know that it's fun to see an eight or an eight-ish person in the book Pride and Prejudice. And she's maybe the famous out of all time romantic heroine for some people. So she is worth a check out. I would say if there's a lesson for her to learn, it's definitely as an instinct type, not judging so fully, hence the title Pride and Prejudice. Last but not least, I'm giving you two nines. I'm giving you 
Elizabeth's sister, Jane Bennett, and I'm also giving you her best friend, Charlotte Lucas. And of course, arguments could be made for Charlotte Lucas to be a different type, five or one, but I'm going to just lend ourselves some nine peacefulness here with her. And then we'll talk a bit about Jane as we close. But Charlotte is a wonderful friend to Elizabeth and the whole Bennett family in Pride and Prejudice. Very loyal, has money, has standing, and is very practically minded. So when an eligible suitor comes along and is rejected by the Bennett sisters, Charlotte is happy to take him, not because she particularly fancies him, but because she wants a peaceful, comfortable life. And so that's why I like to categorize her in that 915 space, because she's like, you know what? I want comfort and I know myself and I'm very happy with that. Very content. I have my favorite seat in the parlor and I have a good life. And I also get to visit with a fancy person often and go to this royal estate and enjoy just a life of not just comfort, but but doing what is good and nurturing. And she's happy with her life. And like I said, her best friend sort of challenges, like, are you really okay? And she's like, I'm really okay. This is what I like. Now, if you were looking for a bit of a healthier, fuller, richer, more action-oriented nine, I want to give you Jane Bennett. And that is really probably most of all who I named my daughter after, in addition to Jane Austen, because my daughter's name is Melody Jane. But I I really like how Jane Austen always names her beautiful characters after herself. I think that is so funny. And um, I would just say that Jane Austen's character here, Jane Bennett, is beautiful, but she's a bit uncertain about her voice and who she is. And she almost misses her love, Bingley. And Bingley is seven-ish, but he's really healthy. And he's some, if sevens are mad right now, they can think, oh, Bingley's my type too, because I only gave you Lydia, who wasn't very healthy. But, but anyway, she's almost missing that really special dynamic and relationship with an awesome guy because she's afraid to show who she really is past a friendship. And I just want to encourage you ladies or guys out there who are nines who don't know how to use your voice. Just try, just practice. If you can't really say much, then show with your eyes and take baby steps toward. But but it was really a heightened part of Pride and Prejudice when you're like, oh my gosh, Jane isn't going to get her guy. And this is one of her favorite things in life is becoming a wife and a mother. This is a a woman standing in these days of late 1700s, early 1800s. It's part of nature for most women anyway, but some don't want that. And she did. And she really couldn't really say her feelings very much because she felt so bad for others all the time and always put others first. If this is you, I just want to encourage you. You are worth it. And I love this story. So now you have had a chance to dig in with me to Sense and Sensibility a little bit, but majorly Emma and Persuasion and Pride and Prejudice. And I hope you've had fun. I hope you have had a great, just fun midweek episode or whenever you're listening. Check the show notes if you want more information on our coaching and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.